Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today I'm going to tell you about some of the things I found interesting about the Lions' victory over the Chargers in Week 10 of the NFL season. Dan Campbell said he thinks this was the best game the Lions have played on offense, and it would be difficult to contradict him. The Lions are a team that want to run the ball until you prove you can stop them, and then take advantage of your adjustments to stop them to get receivers open downfield. And anyone who watched the game knows that that is exactly what we saw. Campbell said that offensive coordinator Ben Johnson was always two steps ahead and that you'd be harder pressed to call a better game and and he's not wrong. The Lions confused the Chargers by mixing up their zone and gap running tendencies uh, which was a nice wrinkle. This is why Khalil Mack, everyone has probably seen this quote by this point where he said that basically what the Lions were doing was not what the Chargers had prepared for. That's why they kind of flipped their, their tendencies in terms of the specific run plays they would call in certain situations like the Chargers coaches watched the tape. They prepared for what they saw. And like the Lions haven't had tells, so to speak, but they've, they've in certain situations kind of leaned a little bit in one direction over another. Uh, but when a team does something insane, like call a counter on fourth and five, it's unreasonable to think that there's any reason that the Chargers should have been prepared for that. That's just a great play call. That's why everybody loves Ben Johnson, just out of nowhere. When the Chargers adapted in the second half by loading the box, it was just a matter of time before something cool was going to happen involving Brock Wright. Uh, <laughs> and that's actually a huge part of what Sam Laporta adds to this offense. Wright's not going to get more touches. He shouldn't be getting more snaps. But when your blocking tight end has a relative athletic score of 9.2, that opens up a whole bunch of options. And any adjustments the other team makes to load the box is going to put them in an athletic disadvantage in play action scenarios. Like Wright doesn't have elite route running or feel for zones, particularly the same way that Laporta does. But if you ask him to run fast in a straight line, he's better at that than 87% of the tight ends who have ever gone to the NFL Combine. The Lions may not have a star-studded group of receivers like the Dolphins do, but the depth of this group makes them equally dangerous to that Dolphins group. Whatever you don't take away, and most teams can't take away five receivers running out of a base defense, they just cannot do it, that's what the Lions are going to find, and they're going to exploit it. That's what the Lions did against the Chargers, even when the Chargers changed what it was about their defense that could be exploited at halftime. The Lions offense has produced 325 or more yards in nine straight games. They put up 475 or more in two straight games, and it's the first time the Lions offensive group has done that since 2013. This is the first time since 2013 that three Lions have put up 100 or more scrimmage yards and a touchdown in a single game. This is the first time the Lions have hit 200 yards rushing in consecutive games since 1997. So let's talk about the backfield a little bit. 
what makes this backfield so good when everybody is healthy is that the Lions have two backs that can run the exact same plays and be successful, but they do it in different ways. That That is what makes them so difficult for opponents to defend, is there is no theoretic here tipping run and pass. There's no scat back telling the opposition that there is no way the Lions are going up the middle, or if they do, that it's guaranteed to go nowhere, which is historically kind of what the Lions running back group has looked like. There have been certain people for certain jobs. You could tell what was happening based on who was back there with the quarterback. Let's start with the accomplishments that Gibbs rattled off this week. Jameer Gibbs is the first Lions rookie to score on the ground in three straight games since 2008. He joined Billy Sims and Barry Sanders as the only rookies to log 425 scrimmage yards in a three-game span. He trails only Sims and Sanders in rookie rushing yards and scrimmage yards through seven career games. He is the fifth rookie in NFL history to string together three games with 65 or more rushing yards and 35 or more receiving yards. Does that sound like an offensive weapon? Wonder where we could have got the idea that that's what he was going to be. Also, not that we're, you know, there with Gibbs right now, but three of the other four people that have done that are Hall of Famers. Uh, (laughs) But let's move on to Montgomery, because he's the guy who had the best game this week. Uh, He had the longest run from a Detroit Lions since Javid Best in 2011. He had the longest run of the 21st century in a road game by a Detroit Lion. Ouch. Uh, (laughs) he's, He's tied for first in rushing touchdowns and first in yardage for a Detroit Lion in their first six games with the team. Only two other Lions have rushed for 100 yards in three of their first six games with the Lions. And you know who those two guys are. I mentioned them earlier. And that's the reason that the run game has been so effective. There are two players, each individually on a per-game basis, putting up Pro Bowl numbers. Now, the problem is that each of them has missed some time. But that's why you need two guys like this as opposed to one. That is why the number 12 draft pick was not wasted because you need multiple players who can do this over the course of a season. And yes, every once in a while, one pops up on day three of the draft. But it's one of the 10 that get drafted. And the other ones are garbage. Not many first round running backs don't do very well in the league. You're buying certainty. And someone said certainty at that position isn't worth that. I would vehemently disagree, and I'm glad that that the Detroit Lions do as well. Uh, There is only one other team with a pair of running backs that are both in the top 25 in rushing yards in the NFL. The other team is the Miami Dolphins. And one of the Dolphins running backs is in the middle of a ludicrous string of games with long TD runs in each of them. Uh, that's how he, that's how they got there. Uh, Devon A-Chain, like, it's not like you should look down on his accomplishments. That's not what I'm saying at all, but his 12.1 yards per carry on 38 rushes for the season. 
that's not super likely to hold up for an entire year. How about Amon Ross A. Brown? Let's talk about him too. He had a career-high receiving and scrimmage yards total this week. Both of those stats. Uh, he's had four straight 100-yard receiving games, and the only other two guys who have ever done that for the Lions are Megatron and Herman Moore. He caught Gail Cogdill on the list of Lions receivers' total number of 100-yard games. He's tied for eighth with 12 so far in his career, not out of his rookie contract yet. Uh, he's had 19 straight games with four or more catches. He just never gets shut out. Eighth straight game with five catches and 50 yards to start the year. Only Herman Moore has ever done that as a Detroit Lion. So, the offense was awesome. And everybody did a bunch of cool things. But let's talk about the defense. Because I have an uncomfortable truth that we kind of have to deal with at this point. The Lions did not lose on the defensive side of the ball. They won the game, but the defense clearly struggled. And it wasn't schematic issues. They got beat by players. Like, sure, Kellen Moore did scheme a few players open in the red zone. Like, inside the 20s, a lot of what you do in there has as much to do with what you set up as what your guys do. But the basically, the Lions just didn't have an answer for the things that the Chargers have done well on tape all season. And I covered them before the game. Like, basically, the offense is entirely predicated on getting Keenan Allen the ball and getting Austin Eckler the ball at this point because that's their two good players. They got Keenan Allen open beyond 15 yards on double moves after he spent the first half beating the corners on the first move. So they started biting hard on that first move, and then he would bend it to a second. It's uh, He had a spectacular game. Uh, they checked down to Austin Eckler, and the Lions linebackers couldn't bring him down to limit the yards after catch like they needed to. The Lions also couldn't cage Justin Herbert in the pocket while also simultaneously pressuring him. It was one or the other at all times. They either kept contain or they pressured him in some way. And that is how you lose to a guy like Herbert or Mahomes or Allen or Jackson or Hertz or Burrow. And I just listed a whole bunch of players that you have to figure out how to deal with. The Lions just let Allen play in front of whoever was in front of him, which is what they've done all season with all receivers. And Allen was open all day, no matter who was in front of him. So I, I, I don't have a solution for this. I don't know how they could have done it better, but it didn't go well. Like, I don't like this defensive performance, not because the Lions gave up 38 points in this game. Like, that sucks. Like, But it's because they gave up 38 points in a way that I think all of the NFL's top-tier teams are going to be able to replicate. Like, if the Lions can't take away a single-possession receiver or stop run after the catch on screen passes, like, against the Chargers, who that's all they have, how are they going to do that against teams that have other options that they're going to face in the playoffs? Like... This is what San Francisco is going to do to you. This is what Philadelphia is going to do to you. This is what the Bengals are going to do to you. 
Bills, Chiefs, yada, 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 just keep going down the list. And even in the division right now, Minnesota, Josh Dobbs is obviously not Justin Herbert. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that right now they are running like a 60% level offense of that, and they have a much better performing defense than the Chargers do. Like, the defensive play calls were fine. For the most part, all day. They were like, they weren't doing things that you shouldn't do to try to stop this. They just couldn't do it. And that's super problematic. Like, teams have kind of figured out the Lions linebackers. Like, the guys not named Anzalone are struggling in zone coverage to balance eating the space that they need to on the field and also closing on checkdowns. They're getting stuck in kind of a no-man's land where they need to be 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, and the guy that they're closest to covering is behind the line of scrimmage. Like, if they cheat up and get closer to the back, the middle of the field is exposed, and then teams throw there. We've seen that happen a bunch this year. Uh, But not every team has Austin Eckler to make a team pay for giving him 15 yards between him and the nearest defender, and that's kind of why the scheme is built that way. Uh, But, like, San Francisco does have a guy like that. Philadelphia does have a guy like that. The Dolphins, as I just said, also really very much have a guy like that. The Lions linebacking core isn't built to play that game, and it definitely shows up on tape. Like, teams have kind of caught on to the fact that Jack Campbell is, when he's on the edge, that means the edge is not rushing the passer. (laughs) Like, he's just not coming on passing downs, and if he does, it's not a problem. Anybody can deal with that. This is not what he's good at. And, as an edge, he cannot hold up against the run. Because while he's a big linebacker, he is a tiny little edge who gets pushed around. Like, it gave the Lions a neat little coverage wrinkle for a few games, but, like, good teams are prepped for it. That well is dry. They need to not do that anymore and they have pretty much stopped doing that they've moved Campbell back off ball for this game which is good uh Derek Barnes has shown incredible growth as a player from year two to year three against the run but it is pretty clear that he is not at this point maybe in the future who knows but at this moment he is not an elite coverage linebacker by any stretch of the imagination Like, Jack Campbell has great lateral movement, but he doesn't have speed. And the result of this is that the Lions linebackers have been really good in run support, but they're getting victimized no matter what they do in the passing game, except Anzalone. Like, I don't think it's a 10-year problem for Campbell. He's not dead-footed at the top of his zone drops, which is how you know a linebacker is never going to be able to play, is if they are just standing in place, not moving as the ball is thrown that guy will never get it. He gets where he's supposed to be. And if that's five yards off rather than 10, he makes the play. Like that is when he was able to take Eckler down. Or he forces the receiver in front of him back towards the middle where somebody else can mob it up. Basically, he does the job if he's in a shallow zone. If he's in a little bit deeper zone at this point, he's still a little bit of a fish out of water. It doesn't seem to doesn't have that same click and close capability that you'd love out of a more athletic guy. 
and hasn't as a rookie. So of course he hasn't, but hasn't kind of wrapped his mind around the game to the level that someone like Anzalone has as an example. And the biggest issue is that the Lions are using Anzalone, who is their best coverage linebacker, as their primary blitzing linebacker. And they're doing that because the same thing that makes him good in coverage, the sudden acceleration and speed that he has that the other Lions linebackers don't quite have, it also lets them hide their blitzes by delaying them a little bit. Like he'll just not go immediately, take one step backwards towards his own drop, and then fire through his blitz. If they do that with Barnes or Campbell, then it just gets picked up because they're not quite as quick on their feet as him. They're bigger guys. That's just, that's the catch 22 there. They're better. They are better at other things that we'll get to later. Like the Lions tried to switch it up and use Barnes as a blitzer uh, and leave Anzalone in coverage. So they had better coverage, but because he doesn't have that sudden athleticism, the delayed blitzes were just getting picked up and were completely ineffective. And for a guy who was a pretty good college edge, Barnes is shockingly blockable by running backs. And when the Lions pivoted back, Keenan Allen just beat his guy. Herbert hit him with a missile. That's, uh, that's it. Like, and I'm not saying Campbell is a liability in coverage either because he's not, but he's a liability doing certain specific things. Like if you have Jack Campbell chasing a wide receiver on a crosser, that is Aaron Glenn who got beat, not Jack Campbell. That should not be happening. If he's 10 yards deep down the seam and he's also the first guy getting to a screen pass, either, again, that is a faulty play design or somebody else got washed out by a blocker or followed the wrong guy who was supposed to be there. Like, at times, Campbell just looks hesitant in coverage, and that is the issue. Like, when you hesitate in the NFL, you are dead. A blitzer who doesn't even engage his blocker before the ball is out is a wasted player, and Campbell did that multiple times against the Chargers, where he just stutter-stepped like he was going to make a move, and the guard just sat there going, like, bro, you got to get past me. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to fake you out. <laughs> and he just didn't even touch him before the ball was already in the air going to Keenan Allen. So outside Anzalone, the Lions blitzers from the linebacker spot are either easy to block or they hesitate so much that they're not going to get there in time which is all problematic. But I mean, Anzalone's game has some warts on it too. I mean, unlike the other two guys, he's not taking on blockers. That is one thing I will give Campbell and Barnes is that when there is a guard in front of them, that guard gets dealt with. That guard is not moving on to another player. That guard is not moving them back five yards. The guy might run around the block. <laughs> The guy with the ball. Uh, but Jack Campbell and, and Derek Barnes are not running around the block. Enzaloni is. Like, and it leads to a lot of tackle numbers because he does eventually get around that block and get to the guy. But there's a lot of 8 to 15 yards downfield running plays that he's taking out that uh, could have been less if he were a little more able to take on the blocker, like go through the blocker to the tackle instead of around the blocker to the tackle. He also has plays where he just knives through the scheme, gets there before that, and gets a tackle for loss. But on a play where there's like a pulling guard who is coming directly at Alex Anzalone, 
Anzalone's not blowing that block up. Unless it's short yardage. That is one caveat I will throw in there is he treats that situation very differently. Like, he plays first and ten differently than he plays third and two. Which is reasonable, if a little frustrating to watch at times. And that is probably the reason why PFF hates him so much, historically. Uh, giving up three extra yards is bad. Whether it results in it being two yards short of the sticks, or compared to five yards short if you had you know taken on the play, versus if it gives up like a first down. Like, by their standard, you gave up three extra yards that you should have been able to stop them from getting. One matters, one doesn't. Is what it is. So I guess here are my main takeaways. Like, teams with elite personnel on defense are the only ones that might be able to stop the Lions' offense. That's, that's what we've seen so far. If a team has a really, really good defense and can just line up and beat the Lions, don't have a lot of answers for that. The, ski, the fancy scheming and whatnot seems to kind of evaporate when linemen are just losing. <laughs> uh, the Lions defensive personnel are going to struggle against mobile QBs that also have a league passing ability. And the good news is that there are very few of those in the NFL. But come playoff times, the Lions are definitely going to face one. And if they beat that one, it's probably an unending string of more of those until they get through, until they're done. Whenever they don't beat one of those, that's where their play huffed thing ends. Uh, AG needs to figure this out. That's that's just a fact. At some point, they can't keep doing this defensively. Tomorrow, I have the extreme displeasure of previewing the Bears' offense. I'll try to say something beyond they suck. Man, do they suck. See you tomorrow. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes. You've had enough of that shit.